All right, good afternoon, my friends and followers. I'm your lawyer, Patrick McGinn, and I am your best friend at your worst time. Welcome to Law and the Life Live, although we're not really live this week, we are recorded because AT&T can't get their stuff together with my internet. Ever since we had a lightning strike a week and a half, two weeks ago, the internet has been so messed up when I go live, the audio is just terrible. So I had to revert to recorded segments for the time being until they get my internet back up and running. So we'll combine this live with the update that was supposed to occur on Monday, which was a holiday. It didn't occur on Tuesday because I got busy. And we'll just do it today real quickly. Not a lot has changed with the courts. In Palm Beach County, the clerk's office is open and has been open for a couple weeks since the 11th, I think it was, for in-person services. The clerk of the court in Broward County is going to open for in-person services on June 1st. No word on Miami-Dade. Otherwise, everything is a Zoom hearing unless it's an essential hearing, which is allowed uh, per the Supreme Court order from a couple months ago when this whole thing started. Additionally, last week, the Florida Supreme Court issued an order extending the uh, the ability to do depositions and remote remote depositions and swearing in witnesses indefinitely. So they extended that order indefinitely, which is very good news for us because we can be more productive as lawyers. It's very good news for clients because it saves clients a lot of money. We're doing a lot of Zoom hearings and family law, and we're really finding that it's, it's moving along nicely. It's saving a bunch of money and the clients are happy with it. And we're able to use this technology to the benefit of our clients and for our benefit, because if we operate more efficiently, we can do more. Um, that's in family law. A few civil cases are coming online. Nothing yet in criminal. I checked all my criminal cases. They're all just being kicked down the road and nothing is really happening on criminal despite you know news reports and reports that the criminal courts are getting on Zoom and doing training and getting up and running. I am just not seeing it. Family law cases though are moving along in the past three weeks, two and a half weeks. We've gotten a bunch of new cases come in, uh, new brand new filings, modification cases, and they're all being filed and worked on just like it was regular. We're getting hearings and uh, they're delayed a little bit because of the backlog, but we are getting hearings on pending motions that are being filed. And if you didn't know it, last week here in Miami, we were dealing with this craziness. Let me show you this, courtesy of Only in Dade. This is down the street from my office. This this is Brickell Avenue. My office is right up here. And this is what's happening downtown as of the flooding last week. And this video is courtesy of Only in Dade. If you live in Miami-Dade County and you don't follow them on Instagram, you should because they post some fun stuff. Now this is the expressway going into Miami. Of course, this is foolishness and we don't condone it, but this is how bad it was this week. And let me show you one more. This gives you an idea how deep the water actually is. I believe this is along 87th Avenue near Berg Road, but it's just been absolutely crazy. 
the rain the rains have been very torrential since Friday night all the way through Memorial Day. It rained it rained the whole weekend constantly. That's the update as far as what's going on in South Florida. Everything is starting to open up. Restaurants are open up. Not a lot of people are going from what I can see when I drive by. I haven't been to any restaurants. Uh, my only outings so far have been to Walmart, Publix, or the once a week trip to the office to pick up mail. But other than that, supposedly South Florida counties are opening up in phase one. On to important topics. I've been getting a lot of questions lately. A lot of questions about civil rights cases and a lot of questions about family law cases. And one thing that I get repeated questions about are marital assets. What exactly are marital assets? It's those assets which are obtained during a marriage. But where people are having a problem with and a problem understanding is how assets are interpreted that are brought in before the marriage and during the marriage. If somebody has something, you know, somebody has like a coin collection or something before they got married and they don't use that coin collection to generate marital income, it can stay a non-marital asset. If one spouse owns a house and you get married and you're married for a few years and the payments and the upkeep and the improvements on that house are paid with marital assets or marital income, a portion of that house is a marital asset. I get a lot of questions from people who say, I, we got married, I moved into my husband's house, now he wants to get a divorce and he's kicking me out. Can that happen? It can happen if you allow it to happen. The proper thing to do is, if that's happening to you and divorce is imminent, is to file your petition for dissolution of marriage immediately. And in that petition, seek use and possession of the marital home, regardless of who owned it before the marriage because now a portion of it is married, and if you is married. And if you have children, all the more reason for that to occur so the children stay in a stable environment. Miami-Dade County has a status quo order in family law cases, which basically says during the proceedings, you have to maintain the status quo. Whoever's paying the bills during the marriage has to keep paying the bills. You can't keep, kick people out of the house. You can't change locks. You can't do anything to inhibit access to marital assets, marital income, and stuff like that. People don't always follow it, but they're supposed to follow it, and there could be consequences if you don't follow it. So that addresses houses. If you bought, if you got married and then you bought a house, it's a marital asset. Anything that you acquired, assets or liability, during the course of a marriage is a marital asset or liability. Another question I frequently get is about cars. Um, it seems to be more prevalent with people who aren't married than people who are married. For example, let's say you and your boyfriend or your girlfriend buy a car together. You co-sign on it, you're both on the registration. Six months later, he takes the car, she takes the car and moves out. Keep in mind that as long as you have an ownership interest in that car, you have a liability in that car. If that other person, that boyfriend or girlfriend gets in an accident and injures somebody, 
you can be held liable for it. So what do you do in that situation? The number one thing is do not co-sign loans for other people. Regardless, regardless of what your situation is, it's never a good idea. Unless you're getting married like next week and you buy a car a week before you get married. But the number of calls I get about people who are unmarried who are buying things and titling and, and joint ownership is strangely concerning. So if you and your you and your boyfriend or girlfriend buy a car and he or she takes off with it, you're still stuck paying on the on the loan on the car, on the note of the car, and you're stuck with the liability should that car get in an accident injure somebody. And if the other person stops making payments, guess who they're gonna come after? They're gonna come after you. So if you're not married, you can't sue in family court. You have to sue in civil court to get regain your your interest in that vehicle or to have the ownership of that vehicle determined by the court. Either one person's going to get it, either or, buy the other person out or whatever, or the car is going to have to be retitled and refinanced. Just keep in mind that as long as that other person is driving, and that applies to anybody that's out there driving around in a car with your name on it, it comes down to you could be held liable for any damages that person causes with that car. Another question I get all the time is about bank accounts. Bank accounts in one spouse's name and as opposed to the other, as opposed to joint bank accounts. Just because a bank account is in somebody's name does not, and the parties are married, does not mean that that is not a marital asset. Same thing goes with cars. If you're married and your spouse buys a car and puts it in their name only, that car is still a marital asset and a marital liability, regardless of whose name it's titled in. And the courts will determine who gets the car, what happens to the car, whether one party keeps it and buys the other party out, or the car is sold and divided between the assets and liabilities. And if you can't work it out yourself, all that stuff is negotiable. And that applies to all marital assets. The basic theory is, and the basic rule is, if it's bought during the marriage, if it's used to support the marriage, if it's used as income in the marriage, it is a marital asset, whether it's a 401k, a retirement plan, a bank account, a car, a plane, a boat, a house, all that stuff is marital assets and marital liabilities. Hopefully that, that explains it and you understand it a little better. I get a lot of calls from primarily from, from women who are getting divorced and the husband is telling them they have to get out of the house because the husband pays for the house. That's not true. It's only true if you let it be true and you leave the house. You can file for your dissolution of marriage and you can seek use and possession of the marital house. So that covers marital assets. I got some other videos coming up about civil rights cases uh, with the shootings going on and the uh, the in custody death cases like the one in Minneapolis that's going on. I've been getting a lot of questions about civil rights. Civil rights cases are just a whole new, a whole nother area of law, which, uh, which I'll address in a separate video. I'm also getting a question, a lot of questions, you know, about police use of force and all that, because I used to be a policeman for a long time before I was a lawyer. And a lot of questions about purchasing guns and I'll, I'll do videos. I have a list of topics to do videos on as well as other cases 
that uh, followers and viewers are sending to me, other murder cases. I just did a couple from Orlando that were really interesting. I did a police shooting case out of Melbourne that was real interesting. So if you come across a case, no matter what it is, whether it's a civil rights case or some type of, of criminal case or some type of homicide case or some type of interesting case, and you want to send it to me to look into, I've been getting police reports from these cases and really being able to dissect them and people seem to really enjoy that. If you get any information on the case and you want to send it to me, please DM me or email me. You can email me at patrick at pjmlawyer.com and you can hit me up on DMs on any of the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I'm either the Magic City Lawyer or I'm on under there by my name like on LinkedIn. On Facebook, I have a group called Ask a Florida Divorce Lawyer, which is a private group. If you want to join that group, you can get access to me there. I also have the Law Offices of Patrick McGeehan, PA, Facebook page, and you can certainly DM me there as well as any of the other platforms. So if you have any questions, and I get a boatload of questions on the Minneapolis shooting or on the Minneapolis in custody death case that just occurred, I got about 20 emails for people asking me what I thought about the case. And I did a video on that uh, just the other day and I'll put a card up here somewhere, probably over here. And uh, if you wanna check out that video. And within the last month or so, I've done a couple of homicide cases out of the Orlando area that were very interesting. And like I said, a police shooting case out of Melbourne where a uh, homeowner shot a police officer. The police officer shot the homeowner and the homeowner was arrested, but ultimately was found to have immunity from prosecution. And that was a very, very interesting case with some very interesting facts. And once again, thank you for taking the time out to check in here with me and listen to what I have to say. I hope that the information I provide to you is useful. Please consider subscribing and hitting the little thumbs up and like button if you like this video content. And certainly let me know your comments and criticisms, you know, good or bad, I read them all. I don't respond to them all because I just don't have time. I respond to as many as I can, but they're all, they're, I do read them all. And feel free to, uh, you know, contact me for any reason. I practice primarily three areas of law, which are criminal defense, family law, and personal injury, but personal injury only as related to auto accidents. So if you have any information or any questions about one of those areas of law, please feel free to contact me. Thank you, have a great weekend. It's almost Friday. Get out and do something that you enjoy. Take some time for yourself and spoil yourself. Until next week, hopefully on Wednesday, my internet will be back up and Wednesday at 6 p.m. I can go live. I'm hoping for it. I have my fingers crossed, but if not, I will be here recording, but I will be here sooner or later. Thank you and have a great week.